Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, which will be our sermon text, Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 6, and then we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 20. Please stand as we read God's word. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 to 6. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And now turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let us pray. Lord our God, we know that your law is perfect and reviving the soul. Your testimonies is trustworthy and making wise the simple. And so we pray Make us wise, give us wisdom and, and strength to be faithful servants of yours. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, if you walk outside this church building on a Sunday morning and you would walk across the street, um, you'll find a, a different church. And if you would walk inside on a Sunday morning, you will probably find a very different worship service than we usually have. And if you would go down the road, you find a third church with yet another worship service. And so... You look around, and this church looks very different from other churches, does worship other than um, the other churches. And, and even if you travel back in time, five, six, seven hundred years ago, you would find yet another version of a worship service. And it, it seems like every Christian denomination has its own style, its own form of worship. And so the question is, what is what is, the proper, what is the proper form of worship? What is right and, and what is wrong? And, and maybe is there a right and wrong? Well, this, this commandment, the second commandment, deals with that question. It deals with the question of, of the right way and the proper way of worship. Remember the last time we considered the preface and the first commandment. 
Moses is on the mountain of Sinai and, and the Lord who brought Israel out of Egypt spoke to Moses and, and gives him this, these ten commandments and he writes them with his own finger um, on, on, on the tablets of stone. And he's commanding, commanding Moses, giving these commandments, telling them in the first one that they should not worship any god except himself, except the only true and living God. And so while the first commandment is based on the who, the second is dealing with the how. The first was concentrating on, on himself, God himself, as the object of worship. Here in the second one, we, we learn the manner of worship. It reads, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. It, it, it starts here telling us how we ought to worship and how we ought not to worship God. And we learn that here God is not only concerned about worship, worshiping him alone, but about the how, about how, the, the form of worship. It teaches us that it is, It is possible to, to worship God, the, the true God, in a wrong way, with wrong means. Means like images, likenesses, and resemblances. And it might strike us strange that God would concentrate upon so, so heavily by, by giving the whole, uh, the whole one of those Ten Commandments to this very, very thing. This very commandment, how, how to worship him, with, with an addition, the severe warning that comes after it. Today, if we talk to Christians, uh, we hear often the, the opinion that isn't worship, after all, a matter of, of tradition? Or, or maybe more popular, is it not a matter of taste or, or personality? You have your worship language I have my worship language. As long as we worship God, he accepts all of our worship. As long as it comes from a sincere heart. Pictures, someone might say, actually help me to worship. Helps me to concentrate. Lightning candles helps me to pray. We hear all sorts of arguments. What harm can it do if it helps people To worship better. And the question we want to answer today is why is it so important? Why are these things forbidden? And why does God attach attaches such a severe warning to it, which underlines the importance of it? Why, why is it that it is so so crucial to God? Well, ironically, we find just a few chapters down the road a great illustration. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, the, the event, the occasion when Moses had gone up the mountain and he's still there speaking with the Lord. And while he's there, Aaron is left alone with the people and, and they tell him, they, they grow impatient and, and, and didn't want to wait any longer for Moses. And they, they ask him and, and tell him, Aaron, make us a God who shall go before us. And so They gather together, they gather the jewelry and gold earrings and, and they melted it down and made a golden calf, most likely a, a bull. 
an image of God. And in verse 4, chapter 32, it says, They said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And Aaron said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. In other words, they, they took this calf, the golden calf, and they, they made a representation of the Lord. The, the bull in the pagan world was often a, a symbol of power. And, and the bull represented this power, and, and they use it, this image, this representation to identify through this visible means, mean, what God was like. They did not worship the bull per se, but they were resembling, representing God within that bull. And they did exactly what God was warning them not to do. And God told Moses while he was up there on the mountain, go down, the people you brought up out of Egypt corrupted themselves. They corrupted themselves. Now hearing this uh, event, the occasion here when they created that bowl, you might be tempted to say, there's really little likelihood that we will do something like that. Um, we don't have all the jewelry and golden earrings um, in the first place. We, will do some, we, we won't do something like that. There's no way we are going to do that. And yet, this is, this is a fair question. Why, why, why do we concentrate on the second commandment? We don't have pictures or statues. And yet, there is a certain way in which we, we follow and we, we, we can fall to uphold the second commandment. Let me, let me tell you, so often we, we do exactly that. We, we even use the same word here that is forbidden. And we say, sometimes we, we, we say, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine God to be like that. That's the very same word. If you imagine something, you make an image, not of gold, not of, of metal, but in your mental, you make a mental image in your mind. And this is exactly the thing that God forbids us to do. You talk to a friend about God and, and you tell him about God based on scripture, based on revelation. And he interrupts you and says, I can't imagine God ever doing something like that. But I like to think of God like this. This is trespassing the second commandment. That is making images of God for ourselves to help us to have a picture of what he is like. Why is it so dangerous and wrong, so defiling to do that, whether in our mind or else? And, and the first reason is very simple. It is because we are finite creatures. And God is the infinite creator God. It distorts our understanding of God. Because, and that is, this is important, listen to this, because nothing that is true of God may be discovered except as he has revealed himself to us. Nothing that is true of God may be discovered except as he has revealed himself to us. Revelation. Many of you, I'm sure, have experienced this, those precious moments when, you're, when your child 
discovers the, the art of, of drawing. And, and she comes, or he, he or she comes to you with, with a drawing, and, and, and you look at it, and you can't quite make out what it, it resembles, what it's supposed to be, and, and you have to ask, don't you? You have to ask, and, and you look at it and ask, what is this abomination that I'm looking at? <laughs> and answer, it is, it is you, Daddy. Now, this is, this is a playful and maybe cute way of illustrating that. But God is not our, our, our daddy in this sense. He is the creator. He's no creature. This is what we do when we rely on our imagination rather than God's revelation. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And in verse 15 again, Therefore watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image. Now when we come together on a worship service and we hear the word of God, God, God's word being proclaimed, we, our mouths are shut and our ears are wide open. We hear the voice of God through his minister. But we do, do not see a form. I think it was Luther who said, God does not let you dictate what you think of him. He tells you what to think about him. He tells you in his, in his word. And, and we will always distort God and can never give justice to his character. God is, the confessions say, without body, parts, or passions. In other words, God is not like us. He does not have a shape or form that we can represent him and say, that is God. How will you represent him? Is he, is he smiling or frowning? You can never capture or confine him into an image. We rob him of his infinite glory if we do so. We need a vision of God that is based on his truth, based on his revelation. And Calvin said, a true image of God is not to be found in all the world. Hence his glory is defiled and his truth corrupted whenever he is set before our eyes invisible form. Even the highest imagination is finite. God is infinite. He's beyond the realm of finite imaginations. The creator of the universe dwells in an infinite, infi infinite light, and we can never begin to visualize what God is like. And, and that is why, what, why heaven will be such an amazing experience. No eyes has seen, no ear has heard, and, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, says Paul. No eyes has seen, no mind has imagined. We are not only fallen, uh, finite, but we are fallen. And because we are fallen, we can't produce a true image of God who is perfect. We will always tend to 
to imagine him in a certain way. Think of him as, as loving, compassionate, forgiving. All that is true, but we will blend out his, his righteousness, his holiness, his, his wrath. In our mind, he, he is only concerned about our happiness, never about our holiness. He's always caring, never correcting. And so that is why we need why we need his word, why we need his revelation. Left to our own devices, we will always have a wrong image of God. Dr. Godfrey, he once likened it to, to a husband carrying a picture in his wallet um, with a woman that doesn't look anything like his wife. Can you imagine that conversation when he, she finds out and he, she says, this is not me. And he says, that is you. In my mind, that is how I picture you. Um, I don't want to find out how that conversation is going to um, or might end. But this is often, um, oh, this is what the second commandment speaks about. Making an image of God. How, how can we, the audacity to do so. And here's the second reason. Because trespassing the second commandment will inevitably lead to idolatry. And this is, this is why the second is connected to the first. It not only distorts God, but it diverts our worship of God. And, and you see the second commandment starts in verse 4 with, you shall not make, you shall not make, but goes on in verse 5, you shall not bow down. If you make an image you will bow down before it and you will worship it. And this is why we, why we look around in this world. Everyone has some imagined uh, imagine themselves God to be a certain way, their way. And therefore, he's fine with the way one chooses to worship him. And like in the event in Exodus chapter 32, when they worship the golden calf, thinking they, they, they worship God, they ended up indulging themselves. In verse 6 we read, And the, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Or in other words, to amuse oneself. They were no longer worshiping God, they were worshiping themselves. And when people have a view of God that depends on their imagination they think of God and, and worship of something that satisfies themselves rather than God, rather than glorifying God. And, and that is an important distinction. How often do you hear people talking like that? What, what do I get out of, of the, the service? Isn't the whole point of worship to to give God what is due to him. Stephen, Stephen Chanok, he wrote, uh, a Puritan, he wrote, when we believe that we should be satisfied rather than God should be glorified, we put, below ourself, we, we put God below ourselves as though he had been made for us rather than we for him. And that is so evident today in, 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 in churches. God made for us rather than we for him. We come to, to worship God and give him what is due to him. 
And, and that is why we find the severe warning. We blaspheme God by worshiping ourselves rather than God. And that is the, the, the essence of the sin. We, we worshiping creatures, creature rather than the creator. And that is offensive to God. The commandment says God is a jealous God and he will not give his glory to, to anyone else. And so it says he will punish not only those but their children to the third and fourth generation. Of course, if we, if we follow our own imagination and we teach the same things to our children, there will be no mercy for them. If we worship ourselves rather than God, God has to punish those worshipers, blasphemers. But here's the positive side of this commandment. As we already mentioned, as I already mentioned, we do not rely on our imagination. We don't, do not rely on any pictures or statues. We rely on the written word that is Holy Scripture. And we rely on, on the incarnate word, which is his only son. As we read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of of his nature. And Jesus himself says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do we know Jesus? If you, if, how do we know God? If you want to know God, then you find him in his word. That's where you will come to know him. That's where you will see Jesus. And, and if you see Jesus, you see God perfectly. We find him in, in Scripture. And the only Jesus we know is the Jesus in his word, the Jesus of scripture, not of our imagination. And this is where we get our understanding of God and the proper worship for him. And through revelation, we cannot only form proper thoughts of him, of God, but we come to know him. We come to know the triune God. And that means coming to Jesus and to love and to worship him. He did not come up with his own imagination. He worshipped God perfectly and he obeyed his law. May God separate us from everything else and, and, and bring us to Jesus. And let us see Jesus as he is in his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank you for your holy word, for your scripture that you condescended and that you gave us your word to, to see your glory, to see that you are God, holy and yet merciful, righteous and, and loving. And Father, we thank you for your law that warns us to Follow our own devices, our own imaginations. Let us always rely on your revelation. Keep our eyes fixed on, on your word and be man of the book. Reading and learning and studying who you are and 
how you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, let us, help us to, to, to grow in faith, to grow in knowledge and discernment, and that we keep away from all the temptations, all the sins of the world, and keep us close to you. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.